Okay, so as always, we'll start with what we thought. Ashley and I do not discuss the book at all before the podcast, so we have no idea what we liked or what we rated it or anything. So, Ashley, what did you rate it? I gave it a 4.25. Wow! Okay, I gave it a three and a half. Welcome to the Novel Universe with Dawn and Ashley, book club buddies who love to read YA fiction. We'll discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, and oh my gosh, we need to talk about this right now. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab something sweet or salty and join our universe. Hello and welcome back to the Novel Universe with your hosts Dawn and Ashley. And today we will be reviewing and discussing... Had to Look Down, Crazy Stupid Bromance by Lisa K. Adams. And this is book three in the Bromance Book Club series. As always, we will start with our spoiler-free edition, and then we will let you know when we go into our spoiler edition. But just before we get started, I just want to give you a little bit of an announcement. On November, what is it? Ninth? Ninth. November 9th, we will be starting our read-along with the universe, and we will be reading... Where's my book? (laughs) A Secret Life. I got it. There it is. (laughs) What is it? The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Did you say The Secret Life of... (laughs) The Sweet Life of of, um, Zach and Cody? I was about that, too. (laughs) We'll be reading The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody by V.E. Schwab. Kidding. So. <laughs> Addie LaRue. <laughs> yes. And for the that podcast on the 9th, we will be reading up to, I don't know, I'll put it in the show notes. I never remember. It's like the first, it, this book isn't like, it's like sectioned off into like chapter, like, yeah. I'll yeah. put it in the show so notes. First, yeah, the first 159 pages. Is that what I have on there? Yeah. Okay, the the first 159 pages, so you can read along with us if you would like and come in and we will discuss the first 159 pages. And then the following week, we will discuss the next group of pages and we will let you know what those will be. All right, are you ready to talk about Crazy Stupid Bromance? I am. All right, I will read the description. And it is. Alexa Carlisle and her cat cafe, Toe Beans, have shot to fame after she came forward as a victim of a celebrity chef's sexual harassment. When a new customer approaches to confide in her, the last thing Alexis expects is for the woman to claim their sisters. Unsure of what to do, Alexis turns to the only man she can trust, her best friend, Logan. Should I keep going? That's enough, right? Yeah, that's That's enough. That's good. Okay. You know what this book is about. If you are at book three, you read book one and two. Okay. No more synopsis for you. <laughs> yeah, that's all you get. Okay, so as always, we'll start with what we thought. Ashley and I do not discuss the book at all before the podcast. So we have no idea what we liked or what we rated it or anything. So Ashley, what did you rate it? I gave it a 4.25. Wow. Okay, I gave it a three and a half. okay well now we're gonna find out why we each rated what we did 
Mm -hmm. And we're going to start with the spoiler-free edition. And you want to go first? We do our dislikes first, and we try to end on a positive note. So let's do our dislikes first. So I'll let you go first. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my first dislike for this book, which could be said about a lot of fluff puff books, if you will, the storyline has a lot of areas that can be deemed predictable. That is a, a and when I say it's a dislike, it's more of like, I expect that it's not really my favorite that that keeps happening, but it is something that I'm like, okay, what is this author going to do differently? Because now this is book three. So how are we going to set this up? And so this particular book is your general, you know, friends to lovers trope. Like yeah. it's, it, it's very black and white. There's no gray area there. So that was kind of like my first one when I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's just, if I had to say anything negative about that, it would be, there are parts that are predictable. If you want a fluff puff book, this is for you there. If you don't like fluff puff, then you might not want to read this <laughs> at all. <laughs> okay. Well, my first dislike is, I mean, and this could just be me speculating, but I feel like Adams had not planned this book out past book two, maybe. Because mm-hmm. in book one, we got to really meet Liv, the Liv character, and we really got to meet Mac. So when it was their turn to have their book, we were quite familiar with her backstory. But I feel like we didn't get that with Alexis and Noah. Like Noah was mentioned once because he drove the van in book one or book two. He wasn't in book one at all. And then Alexis was, was she mentioned in book one? I don't know if she was. If she was, it was brief. I think it was brief. It was a brief mention of her. Yeah. She had more FaceTime in book two. Yeah. And it wasn't even that much. Um, So book two, she had this whole thing with Royce and the sexual harassment stuff, but it still wasn't a lot of it. So when we get to her in book three, we don't get a lot of backstory from her, which technically, I guess you don't have to if the author like creates her backstory within the book. Technically, that's what she should be doing. But I feel like the way this book is set up, we should be meeting these characters a little bit more in previous books so that when we do get to their book, we're excited to read about them. I wasn't excited to read about Alexis and Noah. I didn't know who they were. Um, and I, I, I didn't connect with her because I just don't think they were developed enough for me. They were developed, but... Not as well as Liv and Mac. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, and I think to even like piggyback off of what you just said, I think it's because each, and this is just my personal take, I think each of the books can be taken as a standalone. I think that okay. that was like the purpose behind that. But I do agree with you, though. We don't meet Noah until the end of book two, and it's like for a hot split second. And then to find out that he's in book three, you're like, well, what's he about? He's not that an original, like, romance book club guy. <laughs> um, so I was a little bit like, oh, that's who this this one's about? Okay. Um, so just to piggyback off of you, Derry. Yeah. Uh, my next dislike is <sighs> there was a... A moment in the storyline that I just felt that the setup between Alexis's relationship with her birth dad was like a little floppy. Like it, there was they were like trying to add to the plot with it, and but honestly, I I just I think that it could be done a tad bit better. It was 
it was like they were trying to do more with it and you really didn't need all of that in there okay which I'm not going to get into because a lot of that's like spoiler-ish but I felt like this set up having her birth dad be reintroduced in the story is it's not done smoothly I agree with that Mm-hmm. What's your second dislike? My second dislike is... Um, I thought the Noah character was a little uneven. I did not like him at all. Uh, he was a real dick to his friends, but he was lovely and supportive to Alexis. And he's also a nerd, which we were, it was a lot of telling that he was a nerd and not any showing that he was a nerd. And so... I just... I didn't... I didn't like I didn't it's not that I didn't like him it's just that I was indifferent I really mm-hmm. liked Mac I didn't like Gavin was that his name Gavin mm-hmm. one. I didn't like Gavin either but he was okay I really liked Mac so I I liked book two not more than book one but I really liked the Mac character I didn't really have any opinion of Noah and I I feel like mm-hmm. that shouldn't be the case I should fall in love with these characters and I, I didn't really fall in love with either one of them to be honest with you Okay. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I have more dislikes. Only two All more. Right. Only yeah. two more. Okay. Okay. So my next dislike is, I think the charm of this series is that it's about the bromance book club. And I didn't get enough mm-hmm. bromance book club. It wasn't nearly as much as the first one, mm-hmm. even less than the second one. And when it was it wasn't a good time to be in their book club because Noah was an asshat. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'll say about that. And then my last, I'm sorry, I'm out of breath because I had to go run and get my cord from my computer. Okay. Um, my last dislike is um, I had an issue with the forgiveness moment with Alexis and her father. I will not go into it. I'll go into it more in the spoiler edition, but because I felt like forgiveness was one of the major themes in this book, I and I did not like that part at all. I had to, I lowered it like a half a star because of that. So maybe a quarter of a star, maybe not half a star. Mm-hmm. But um, I had nitpicks. You didn't have any nitpicks? I'm trying to think because I, I just don't want to say too much of it being a spoiler, you know? So like I had... There was some family dynamic issues that I had on Noah's side and on Alexis's side. Um, but I don't want to give it away because, like, that's yeah. a lot part of the story, you know. Um, well, I got a laundry list of nitpicks. I'll just run through them. Laundry. And maybe you'll agree or disagree. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. So my first nitpick is every every man in this series is a millionaire and the women aren't what the hell is that i don't like that at all i thought the karen thing was stupid sorry every older man in this book is a misogynist hate that um what is with the eye thing she kept saying we have the same eyes is that a thing do people notice like flecks of gold in people's eyes is that a thing because i it's not just this book like i see it all the time in books and i'm just like i don't think anybody notices that stuff but okay mm-hmm. um i don't think people have the same eye color to begin with like i think it's like a, a varying shade 
So <laughs> unless they have like the same eye shape, I don't I don't know. But I just thought I yeah. didn't like that. It was it, they kept repeating it. And I was just like, OK, let's move on. Um, They they left Liz's wedding party engagement, not, not engagement, her pre-wedding party to go bang. And I'm like, I would be pissed if I was Liv. I'm sorry. I didn't like Liz. Is it Liz or Liv? Liv. I have it written two ways here. <laughs> Liz, Liv, Liv. Yeah, I, I hated that. Um, <laughs> okay, and then this one is really stupid, but I had to mention it. Okay, so when the guys are in the book club, they're, they're talking because they're dudes. And they say, one of them says, the happy trail is like catnip for women. And oh I my gosh. I, okay. <laughs> I don't understand if Adams is trying to show that men are not as woke as they think they are or if she really thinks this. I can't tell what's happening here, but this is the second time she's made a generalization in the voice of the men from the man's perspective. And I don't know if it's because she's trying to write what a man thinks mm-hmm. or if she really thinks that. I'm hoping it's the prior. I think it might be the prior, but that's just, I mean, that's just my opinion. I think one of my nitpicks as you were discussing yours, (laughs) I felt that the reference, because I, I'm I'm remembering now, there were a lot of cat references in this book, you know, sexually, non-sexually, legitimate cats, non-cats, like it was just too much catness for me, if you will. (laughs) Catness. Oh God. Okay. But it's true. Like I was like the the catnip trail, and then you know the the name of the cat being beefcake, and I was like, was that a reference to a dude? Like it's, he's called beefcake for a reason. Like I don't understand. Um, there was a lot of that, and that I'm as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember being like, ooh, okay, enough with the cats. Like, but I'm not a cat person, so yeah, I didn't notice it too much because I'm not a cat person. I'm not a dog person either. I'm not an animal person, so I didn't really. It was just kind of like, Don, Don hates animals. Touching her. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, I did. I guess I'd have one more nitpick. Um, I don't. I don't know if this is a nitpick or if a legit issue, but. I'll save it. It might be a legit issue. I won't. I won't say it. All right. That's all I had from a dislikes. Oh, okay. Um. So for likes, I really liked Alexis's growth in dealing with the passing of her mom. I felt like she dealt with it in the various stages that one deals with losing a parent. Um, as one who has lost a parent, I felt like she was putting on a normal facade of what those that have, those who have lost a loved one, what we do to try to handle that grief. And I feel like Adams did a really good job writing Alexis the way that she did, because I felt like she actually got to a point where she did forgive her mom and then did forgive herself on some areas where she chose to um, make it her mom's fault on some things. So that's all I'll, I'll get into there. But that part I really did like because it was something that, you know, strikes, strikes a chord with me in particular. Okay. Um, I did like the friendship between Noah and Alexis. I, I do agree that it was predictable. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, that didn't bother me too much. 
uh, I, there was a moment in the book where Noah says he wasn't friend zoning himself. He was being a friend. I thought that was a really good moment. I also liked mm-hmm. it when she was walking through his house and she was like observing some of like her touches. And I was like, oh, that's a really nice moment how she's kind of like, I don't want to say inserted herself in his life because that sounds negative, but you can see her presence in his house and in his life. So I thought as she was walking through his house, we got to see some of her in there. I, I, I like that. I like their friendship. I think, mm-hmm. I think they're a good couple. I just wasn't like, oh, whoa. It was just like, oh, you know, they're cute. <laughs> oh, <woo-hoo>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think the overall journey of Noah and Alexis was enjoyable to me. Um, this book, I had a ton of belly laughs from this book. I don't know if I was just having a really stressed out time reading this thing and it was just what my heart needed, but I kid you not. I belly laughed all like, like all the time. And every moment that Adams threw something in there, I was like, oh, 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 oh. it's so funny. <laughs> And then I'm repeating it to my husband, the parts that I thought was funny. He's just looking at me and I'm like, man, I must have been in a dark place. <laughs> Where you're like, yes, give me all the cheese romance. <laughs> I didn't laugh as hard at this one as I did as the first one. Oh, God, I did so bad. I laughed the same amount in this book that I and I did. Hold on, let me rephrase. The first book in this book, I laughed a lot. The middle, you know, the second book with Liv and Mac, I did not laugh as much. I was missing that humor, and I got that humor again. Okay. So. What about you? Um, I, let me read my notes here. Okay, so I liked Alexis's, Alexis's physical desire for Noah, um, and that it was actually on the page. So there were moments um, where she's just like looking at him and she's even looking at his crotch. And I don't think you see that a lot in books. You see that from a man looking at a woman's boobs or whatever, her butt. But you don't really see a woman objectifying a man. And I liked that she felt desire and she expressed it because unfortunately, some women still need to see other women and see that it's okay to have sexual feelings and to express them and to look and, you know, not objectify and be, like, ugly and gross or anything. But, you know, that's okay. It doesn't make you a hoe bag. It doesn't make you immoral. It just makes you human. So I like that she put that mm-hmm. on the page. Um, I didn't find it... I don't want to say offensive or anything, but I it's it was different. Maybe because I don't read a lot of romance. I don't know. But it didn't feel sleazy or you know over exaggerated or fake or anything it just felt you know natural yeah and I think that 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 that's a good point that you bring up because a lot of times we see like the the male lead character you know ogling over the girl and very rarely do you see it be reciprocated through the woman's eyes and like that's okay like it's okay to look (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. You're not yeah. doing nothing. You're admiring his gorgeousness. Like, that's okay. <laughs> um, I think for me, the, the next part that I really liked is that I felt as though I was living with these characters. Like, I felt like I was one of these friends, like, on the sidelines, 
seeing what was going on between Noah and Alexis and like rooting for them and wanting them to be able to see that the other person really is head over heels in love with them. You know, like, go for it. You can you can make that transition. Well, I've stayed too long in the friend zone. Like, there's no way that this is going to happen. That is a normal conversation. And so in those moments, I felt like I was becoming one of their friends in one of these groups. Now, mind you, I don't have a million dollars. I'm not part of that, like, whole entire mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sect of people, if you will. <laughs> but the characters were relatable like I saw myself in a lot of these other characters that um, were presented with within this book okay um I don't know if it's because I read a lot of YA and and a common trope in YA is that parents don't exist like nobody has parents and so yep. what I liked in this book is that in all three books, there are there's an, an older generation and they are very present in the story and they influence their lives. They have an impact. We get to see them with his, with their mom and their there hasn't been any grandparents, but Liv had like a grandparents type of a relationship with um, a woman that she lived with. So I really do like seeing extended families and how that affects them as adults and how it affected them as kids. And so. Once again, Mm -hmm. maybe it's because we don't see it in YA enough. I just don't read enough adult where I would see it often. But I I like that part of the book. Of all three books, I really did like that. Yeah, and I think I have to agree with you because, like, I my next point is, you know, Noah's background was really interesting, you know, because of the death of his father and, like, learning, like, how he struggled to become a man. And you see all of these people that have been involved in his life and how they've either helped shape him for the good or for the bad. And you don't see that in YA, just like you said. I mean, like, these teens are just kind of just thrown into the world And you don't really get a whole lot as to who's been influencing them and molding them into the people that they are. You're just like, okay, do they just come off strong? Do they just come off as meek? Like, (laughs) is there a reason why? And I feel like here you, you, you get that. I mean, it's all full circle with these characters. Um, I really liked the Russian. Oh my God. This is literally my like. Oh my God. (laughs) The Russian was one of my favorite characters. So that means you're reading book four. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to take a pass. I don't want to hear any doo-doo jokes. Like, I don't... And for even the Russian, like, we don't know his girlfriend at all. Uh Uh-huh. And so now... No, it's his wife. Oh, his wife. They're married. (sighs) Sorry, I have to adjust. (laughs) My leg is falling asleep. I'm on the floor. Okay. Um, yeah, I won't be reading the next book. You let me know how it goes. Oh, I will. <laughs> okay. Do you have I don't any more have... likes? No, that's all I had. Okay. Um, I mean, same, without spoiling too much. Okay. So that's all, right. all we have for our spoiler-free edition of this book. You can stop here and go and read the book yourself so then that way you can listen to the spoiler section um otherwise we are going to be starting spoilers in five four three two one all right okay can i say go ahead beefcake the cat 
that cat was so malicious and savage. I loved it so much. Um, I loved him so much because, like, this cat was, like, out for revenge on anyone and anything that was not Alexis. <laughs> um, but most importantly, I love the fact that Alexis saved beet cake, beef cake, not beet cake, beef cake, uh, because she genuinely has a heart for broken things. And I felt that that spoke so true to her character that it just made me love the cat. Whereas before I'd be like, I don't care about this dumb fat cat that just like savagely like attacks all men that come into its vicinity. Like, yeah. Um, I thought the cat was kind of a metaphor for her, but at one point in the book, they said it was him. Maybe it was both of them at some point. I think it was both. Okay. I I I mean I could see both, if yeah, you will. Definitely see both. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the spoiler free edition, I talked about the theme of forgiveness. I'm sorry, I'm looking for the moment in my mm-hmm. notes here. Um the theme I like I feel like this book had two pretty big themes and it was trust and then forgiveness. And mm-hmm. um so towards the end of the book Alexis is at her mother's uh, gravestone and her father comes up to her and he tells her his meaning of forgiveness. And he says, forgiveness means recognizing that you are a different person because of the pain, but realizing that so are they because of the pain they caused. I think it's deciding that the new people you are are better people and that together you're worth something. Mm -hmm. I had a problem with that because I personally think that forgiveness is subjective not everybody has the same definition of forgiveness some people forgive because you know they the bible tells them to and so that's just what they do some people forgive because they need to just get rid of the hate that they are feeling it's like weighing their life down they just need to get rid of it so they forgive the other person sometimes they forgive for the other person like everybody has their own definition reasons to forgive people and I felt like when he told her that it was more manipulation because it was very convenient for his situation yes I abandoned your mom I treated her like crap and although he didn't know about her until three years ago he still made no effort and then when he saw her he made excuses and so now all of a sudden oh well you know forgiveness is I've changed in the last week and so now you should forgive me because I've changed I'm a different person I just felt like it was just manipulating I didn't I didn't like it because it's a big theme in the book. And so it did make me lower my rating when that moment came. Yeah. And I think I do have to agree with you there because there were moments where I was like, man, this dude is trying too hard. You know, Alexis's birth father is, is just trying too hard. I mean, I do think that he did come to terms with his own need to ask for forgiveness but I don't think it was genuine in some areas. I think because he's presented with a life and death situation, you kind of try to like clean your crap up before you go because you want to leave this world in a better way than what you are currently standing in, you know? And like, there were moments where I really feel that Noah brought him to that crossroads when he was like talking to him, like just because, 
you know, it wasn't actually you doing this thing. Like you are like the people that did this. Mm-hmm. And how are you going to continue to move forward with that? You know, he, we're very aware that Alexis is going to be the, um, the perfect kidney blood match, you know, to be able to donate her kidney to her. Fi- I mean, it's very clear when they're like going through the testing and they're like, Oh, we have to see if you're a match. And you're just like, well, we already know she is like, there's no, (laughs) there is no uncertainty there, Mm -hmm. but thank you for trying to put that in there. Um, I just felt that in that moment, I think Adams was like trying to make it. So, you know, the forgiveness part was put out on the plate, if you will. But I do agree with you. It is very, I felt like it, it was like his own way of thinking about forgiveness because you're, you're right. People forgive in different ways. You know, either they do it because they, you know, morally think that it's what they should do. They do it so they can move forward in a situation. They do it because they've never had a verbal like forgiveness moment. Like there's all of these different ways that people forgive or people choose to move forward from that or move backwards. You know, it's not just one direct area but usually when you forgive someone you're able to kind of you know take a deep breath and not look at that situation with so much pain is usually generally what should happen and I think I would have liked to have seen that more from him than what was on on the page yeah you're tying um so I felt I felt that in um, in a lot of moments with Noah's relationship with this with the man that was supposed to be his like godfather, if you will, like if something ever happens to his dad, he is going to take care of him. Mm-hmm. What was that guy's name? Girl, Do you remember? Nope. Oh, crap. Because I don't I don't like just like assuming that people know. Anyway, his intended godfather. Um. And that whole moment that they had about where he was presented with, you know, do I leave Noah to rot in jail for being an angry teen that has decided to hack into, you know, these crazy companies and has gotten himself in a whole heap of trouble? Or do I take him out because I I don't want to do that to him? I mean, like that was face of the real life situation um, that I think a lot of parents or guardians have to go through and they have to make that choice. And either that choice is a good one or it's a bad one. Um, and we see later on in this book that it was essentially a good one, but his godfather guardian, uh, had a lot of resentment and hate towards Noah. And you don't really get that until towards the end because it's like Noah's like not, he's never good enough. He's never going to say the right thing. He's never going to invest the way that he, this guy wants him to. He's never going to marry this woman the way that he wants him to. Well, are you even going to marry my mom? Because you're just still around here. Like, what are you doing? You know, and you're brainwashing, like all of these things. I really liked that dynamic because what happens in our childhood will inevitably seep into our adult life and how we carry ourselves. So that I really like that Adams made these characters relatable in that sense and believable. 
like I, I, I believe that whole entire moment with Noah and his, um, his godfather. Cause I was like, that, that's a real thing. That is a real thing that requires, you know, forgiveness to get over that, which I think she did a good job in that area because I like that his mom basically slaps the guy in the face and is like, you need to get out of my house right now. And he's like, but don't you love me? No, this is my son. He is not your son. You need to get out and goodbye. I loved that moment. <laughs> in this book. Mm. Um, Cause I feel like we don't get a lot of like a guy's perspective in growth like that, where he has people fighting for him. And it's not just like, you know, his dad giving him the talk. It's all of these other people that are in part of his life that are trying to hold him up and to carry him forward. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, yeah, let's talk about Alexis and Noah as a couple. Mm-hmm. And once again, this was one of the well, this was the biggest factor in my rating. Um, as I said, the spoiler-free edition, I didn't think their setup was strong enough in book two. Because this series is set up that way, I have to judge it that way. Um, she mm-hmm. sets up characters in previous books, and so when they get their book, you are familiar with them. And she didn't do that with uh, Alexis and or Noah at all, really. And I don't know, I feel like because of that, because her whole well one of her issues was the whole sexual assault thing with Royce that really should have been set up in book two when Royce was in the book he was actually on the page and we really should have seen it and felt it but we didn't we were told it we didn't really get to see her and Royce too much in book two I felt like her growth was anticlimactic in this respect with her uh, mother she had a good growth and trusting uh, Noah her growth you know I thought was well um with her other family fine but with her personally in dealing with trauma it was a little anticlimactic just because it wasn't set up enough in book two and then it wasn't set up at all in book three because now in book three it's already happened she doesn't it doesn't happen again it's already happened it's in the past not in the past but I mean in a previous book and so now we're supposed to move on uh, not move on, but you know what I mean. She didn't, Adams didn't write it in book three. It was in book two, but it wasn't set up well in book two. That's all. That's my point. Um, yeah, and I, if I can comment on that part. So I felt that it was a choice from Adams to, to do that because I, yeah, I, just, I think I might have just seen it differently than you because. I did think it was set up enough in book two, just me, me personally. Like I felt like, you know, she never had this moment with Royce where it was like in his face because there is, you know, sexual trauma there. Um, So I think she wrote it that way. So then that way we were more looking through the eyes of Alexis and how it was taken you know, to the media and her like doing that versus like having this big hoo-ha with Royce. Um, but we did, I mean, we did see it through Jessica too. We saw Jessica's growth like after that moment um, with Royce because she was the waitress that he was like, you know, hitting on to. Um, I don't know. I think, I think I just, 
I think she did do it. Well, but um, I see what you're saying. But it might not. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I see. I see what you're saying, and I agree. However, I still don't think it was done well. Um, that's okay. To me, it seems like, and I could be wrong. I didn't read the afterword or anything. But to me, it seems like Adams is writing what she thinks people who go through sexual assault go through. I didn't ever feel like it's something that actually happened to her and she's telling her story through these characters. If Mm -hmm. I'm going to compare a book, I would say like Ninth House, I thought that Bardugo really threw Alex. You really feel the trauma this girl was going through. I never felt yeah, that no, at all. And my biggest problem with book two was the whole Roy sexual assault celebrity thing, Me Too thing. I just, I didn't feel like it was done well at all. I, mm-hmm. It just felt very surface level. She wasn't adding anything new to this topic. Um, that was one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I didn't like the book. And so then it carried on to this character and I just, I just didn't do it okay. for me. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah, because I know that in this book that uh, the whole kidney transplant, all of that stuff, like her husband went through that. And I don't know if he read like the um, the back acknowledgments in in this book, but her husband, Adams's husband actually went through this process and being matched with someone. And so she wrote in the back like, you know, it's this is based off of a real life experience that my husband and I have had and the disagreements that we've had with, you know, finding who we need to be the right donor and all of that stuff. Like it's in, it's in the acknowledgements in the back, which I thought was really interesting because I didn't get that in book two. So I hear what you're saying, like the, how it's not relatable because you don't know, like, are you writing this from someone who's been sexually abused or are you just writing it with, as much information as you gathered in this Me Too movement. Yeah. If you, yeah. Yeah. Whose turn is it? It's my turn. Okay. Is it your turn? Mm-hmm. Oh turn. no, you still had more, I think. Oh yeah. Like, because I cut you off. I cut you off <laughs> mid like thought because you had so many good things. Um, there was a moment that kind of like came out of nowhere, and I didn't understand it. So, and once again, it's with Noah, and he's talking to the Bromance Book Club. And one of them says, uh, but maybe you're the one who's vulnerable. Maybe you stopped kissing her not to protect her, but to protect yourself. And my, and my note there was, from what? I didn't understand what he was protecting himself from. We hadn't seen any trepidation from him. He has a POV. The only thing he kept saying was, I don't lose her as a friend. I don't want to lose her as a friend. But we never really saw what he was like. We know exactly what she was guarding her heart from. She couldn't trust anybody. She had a problem with that. So it was very clear on her from her standpoint. But from him, I'm like, I don't understand where this came from. It was never brought up again. I Maybe I missed it. Did I miss it? I don't understand I think what he was. I might have missed it just a little bit because like what you're saying is a thing, but from my personal perspective on that, um, I felt like when that comment was made that he's, he stopped to protect himself. It's because I think that there are many times in a women's, a woman's brain that we have this moment where we're like, is this what I want for myself? And I think that that's 
what Noah was experiencing with Alexis because he had said so many times that, you know, I've kind of been, I'm already in, in the friend zone. I don't know if we can break that because I don't want to lose her as a friend. So like that was his whole, his whole thing, um, about getting together with her is because he really enjoys her friendship and he doesn't want to ruin that. And so I think in that moment he was having that epiphany of like, Oh crap. Like I'm, I'm about to ruin the best thing that has happened to me in a really long time. Maybe. And I don't know how I feel about that. Cause what if it goes bad? Right. Um, so that's, that's just what I got from it. Like, I felt like he had that moment of realization of asking himself, like, is this what I really want versus like what my body is telling me? Yeah, I get that. But he has already said that out loud. So it's not like the guys are pulling something new from him. It felt like they were trying to pull something else from him mm-hmm. and not that. He had okay. already admitted that several times. So I that that moment really threw me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about here. Is it did I miss it? That I don't know. It's just, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I missed it. Maybe I caught it after, <laughs> and I just you know assumed it. <laughs> it was just all kind of part all tied into their relationship i do agree with the enemies or not enemies friends to lovers i've actually seen that done better in ya i i didn't think it was predictable it was tropey mm-hmm. i mean nothing special there yeah and i do have to say with this book i wasn't i love this book way more than book two like Liv got on my ever living nerves in book two (laughs) just her as as a character and you know I think you and I were talking about this when we were critiquing book one and then moving on you know to book two it's like you know when you just have a little sprinkle of her it's it's all right you you like it it's fine (laughs) too much good I don't want her a lot of the time um, I actually want to comment on Max groom Zillaness. I did not see that coming at all. I thought that that was a little muchy muchy because I think they were trying to play him as like the softy of the group. Cause I think he is a little bit, but I was like, why is he working, worrying about, you know, having your, uh, you're choreographed like a bridal party dance. Um, that was just one of those moments where I was like, "Yeah, no. no." Okay, there's no way that any woman, you know, would just hand over the reins to her fiance on everything. Or maybe there is. Maybe, maybe I'm being judgy. Like, but for me personally, I was like, I just thought it was a little much that she was like completely hands off because there was a moment where she shows up to give Alexis her bridesmaid dress and she's like I don't know what it looks like Matt picked it out I'm like what did you pick out your wedding dress too <laughs> um but yeah I don't know how if you felt that as well with yes. me but it was just like it was too oh. cheesy I'm like why are you stressing this awful dance I <laughs> The twerking conversation. Can we please talk about that? I, I don't even remember. Or I must like, have hated it so or like bad. Half I don't, of them were like, you know, flew. when you shake your butt, blah, 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 blah. We're going to do this. And the other them were like, no, we are not. No. 
we're not twerking. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, I wanted to bring in, like, because for me, I really did enjoy this book. Um, I think more than you did, which is totally fine. Like, we haven't had one of these in a while. Um, there were some quotes that I just died with. Um, the moment that they're waiting for their massage as a bridal party, or sorry, as, as the groom's party, right? So they're going in. They're all excited to get pampered because Mac's like, it's totally fine. We should be getting pampered, too, because we've been stressing out as well. This is not just a girl thing. Um, so they go in there, and none of them knows what massage protocol looks like. <laughs> um, you know, and they can't decide if they need to be wearing underwear or not. And Dell says, so we just lay with our balls in the wind. And I was like, you know, and then the other guy, Sean, goes, oh, what if we fart? And then they discuss, well, then do you do, do you fart while you're having sex? Like, you just, you don't do that. And then it proceeds to go on with, like, well, they're going to be touching all of all of my parts. And they're like, we're not they're not going to be touching you down there. Like, that's not <laughs> where the massage is happening. Um that particular part was really funny to me. I don't know why the balls to the wind was funny, but it was. Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, her, I didn't really talk about the whole father storyline in the spoiler free. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it either. I, I was indifferent. Um, and here's some information. Like, here's some stuff you don't know about me. Okay. So my father was, well, my parents separated when I was like a baby. My father, my, my father literally gave my mom money to abort me. She didn't do it, obviously. So he did not want any more kids. And so he left, they separated, but he went and married, or he didn't marry her, but they lived together because it's a whole thing. They didn't get divorced for a while, but he had another family and he actually had the woman had daughters that were my age which I thought was really odd so I never had a relationship with my father at all my older brother did but that was because he made an effort to have a relationship with his father and I didn't I felt like you know I'm I'm the child here you should be putting an effort I shouldn't have to do that and so I didn't and so I never really had a relationship with him he was my he was my brother's best uh, man at his wedding I hadn't seen this man in years and just to just to tell you how really fucked up this was he lived literally two blocks away from us from middle school to high school and the only <gasps> time I saw him was when I graduated from high school I actually I didn't see him I was I was out with friends he came over to like congratulate me for graduation I wasn't there but like at my brother's wedding I just like totally ignored him it's and so I'm like and he he died recently um, and so I'm trying to put myself in her shoes. Like if he needed an organ from me, would I be able to do that? I'm, mm -hmm. I don't know. And I'm trying mm -hmm. to relate to her through this whole father thing. And I couldn't, I at no time was I ever relate to her. And like I said, the whole forgiveness thing, my definition of forgiveness is more of a, um, it's more of an um, absolution for me as a person. Like I forgive people because I want that hatred out of my life. 
but I never I don't really I never really hated him so I never felt like I needed to forgive him I felt like my mom was she had more than enough love for both parents so I never felt like I was missing out on a father or anything like that so I never felt I never felt like I needed to forgive him because it didn't I didn't think mm-hmm. about it it wasn't something that weighed on me every day so I'm really trying to like trying to connect with Alexis and how she's going through this and there's his whole other family I mean what if his whole other family comes to me and was like he needs a kidney would I do that I don't know maybe would I forgive them and be part of their family doubt it you know but that's me not necessarily her I just I didn't connect with her at all and once mm-hmm. again it, it just affected my rating I just you know it was fine I didn't get anything out of it though so when I read books like this I try to get a new perspective of mm-hmm. somebody in their life and I didn't get anything of that from mm-hmm. this book so I got a lot of perspective from the first book from being a married couple and their circumstances I got out of that but this book not so much I wonder, I want and thank you for sharing that because that's like really deep and personal like information you know um I lost my father so like her having this loss of her parents was like really connecting for me but I don't know if I if I were in Alexis's shoes would give a kidney to my birth parent that has nothing to do with my life, you know? So I think that that was the part where we, me, me personally, I was like, but why are you doing it? Like, are you doing it because you are genuinely a person that wants the best for other people? And you've just tried to emotionally like take yourself out of that situation. Cause I think that that's what she was trying to do. Like she was trying not to be connected to the family. She wanted to do it because she was generally a nice person, you know, but the, her step family, if you will, I don't even know how else to explain it. You know, they, they were like trying to like be buddy, buddy with her. Some of them hated her. Some of them like wanted to have this connection. And you're just like, that's not a thing. Like, like there's no way that this can be cohesive at all because there is lots of years of hurt that's been built up or you're just completely blindsided. I mean, this man is a totally different life apart from you you know and it's like you are a product of his seed and that's pretty much it like but you don't have an emotional connection to him so maybe like do you think that that might be why you would not see yourself in in that position to do that I I think well her reason for it was because she didn't want someone to go through loss of a parent which I I think was admirable and I think it was believable so in that respect, I I possibly would because if I can prevent someone dying, then I I don't want to be an asshole and say no because you weren't in my life. I don't feel like I'm that person. I'm mm-hmm. also not going to go over to their house for Thanksgiving. Like that's not happening. Um, yeah. My whole thing would probably here's my kidney piece. I'm not going to stay around. I'm not going to have a relationship with you after. I did this for your family and not really for you. You know, like I I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. But it didn't really make me think too hard about it. It was just like, oh, it was just a part of the story. And I just, I wish I could connect mm-hmm. it a little bit more to her situation. I did like the fact with that particular, because like I said, this was one of my dislikes of this book was this particular plot point because it was a little sticky in some areas. It's like either add this part 
and forgo the whole Karen scenario, you know, the other shop owner, or just make it with the shop owner. And there's this moment where a long lost relative is like trying to get connect, connect with her because there's a family member dying. Like there's just too much going on yeah. in this in this plot for that to be very, you know, flow, flowy. It did not flow well because it's like I would much rather have wanted to seen the build up to this Karen situation or. Your dad is now coming into your life because he's about to die. And let's talk about that. Don't add all these other parts to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when um, Alexis is, you know, she still has her guard up. And I applaud her for that so much because he's like at the grave site trying to talk to her about forgiveness. You know, like they they have a moment. She's like, I feel connected to him because he is my dad. But I can't cross that line. And I think that that's so important to her character and to a lot of other real human beings. Like, it's okay to not be buddy-buddy with them. You don't need to have this relationship that goes deep and they're going to replace, you know, the lack of or the person who was this in, in your life. It doesn't need to happen. Sometimes it's it's okay to know and like, but I'm going to hold you right here because this makes me feel safe and I yeah. don't need you to move on with my life. Like I can still move on without you. Um, I don't know if they did a whole bunch of missionary because she was just trying to, you know, she was just trying to, she, she suffered trauma. I'm guessing that's why. Mm-hmm. Is that what you got from that? I think it was more of she didn't need to prove herself as a woman, if you will. But you can still do other positions and not improve. Yeah. It was boring. I know that's not what this book is about, but can we switch it up a little bit? Just a little bit. Yeah, no, I I agree because there were some moments where I was like, oh, that's because of that situation with Royce I get it like I got I got it the first time you know the like well can I do it you know let me touch you first type of a thing um but then after a while I was like you could switch it up you know I know they they left her wedding to go bang all weekend you couldn't do something else I was like I know I know I did kind of like though that all the friends were like, we know what you're doing and we're okay with it. You'll just show up later. (laughs) Another thing. I did like that part. Oh, yeah. You know, the grand gesture part, you know, that whole scenario where he's running to. I think I commented on Goodreads. Did you see it? No. I said, the grand gesture is coming. Oh. Oh, oh, he's running. You know, to the, he's running to the hospital room and he doesn't make it. I was like, yes, that is good. Because if he would have made it in time, I would have been a little bit like, oh, the fact that we had to wait till she woke up was great. It was great. Okay. <laughs> um, once again, we we had erotica month in July. So if you guys want to go back and listen to erotica month, you can. Uh. I, I don't think I like this type of erotica. I don't like the words that they that they use. And in this book, it was 
you know, it was going fine. It's descriptive. I'm jiving. And then all of a sudden, nub. I'm like, I it know. totally takes you out of it. Nub is such a harsh word. It's not romantic. It's not sexy. It's just like like a nub like you lost an arm you know what I mean like I don't I don't like that word and she kept using nub and I hated it and then plunder Can, plunder makes me think of pirates and pirates are horrible people I don't want to think of plundering during a sexy moment it's a nitpick I know I know there were some words where I was like okay guys you need to take a note from Moss about erotica in a book okay this is not she don't use nub there what is no plundering use? of nothing we are not pirates looking for treasure like it's <laughs> it's not happening but you're right though i was so excited because i was like <laughs> you were so excited Woo! No, I was excited that the moment was happening and yeah. then that three-letter word pops in and you're just like, that is just a total buzzkill. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear about a nub. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. But yeah. I am excited to read about the Russian, I will say, because that's in book four. Because apparently he's married to someone and it was an arranged marriage so that seems interesting to me but well you can let me know I will let you know I will be reading it 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 literally took me I think 24 hours to read this book (laughs) oh wow okay with work yeah real quick yeah all right that's all I had do you have anything else Nope, that's all I've had as well. I'm very excited for our next read-along. Yeah, I'm excited to reread it. Um, I did like it. I Usually when I do these rereads, it's always a book I've already read, so I have had to reread it, and I've liked it more the second time. Probably because I can talk to somebody about it and really like pick it apart. And so I'm excited um, to read it again with you um, and everybody else joining us, joining the universe. Um, but yeah, I think you'll like it. I hope you like it. It's different than what you're used to. So. I think anything will be better than Midnight Sun. Oh I'm sorry. <laughs> Everything is better than Midnight Sun. Everything that should be a slogan. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. But... All right. Well, as we just said, our next podcast, we will start our second read along of the year and we will be reading The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by Victoria Schwab. Uh, Sorry, V.E. Schwab, not Victoria. Victoria Schwab writes YA and V.E. Schwab writes adult. That's how you know. Um, But until then, we will catch you in the next podcast. Bye bye.